they play softly, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just exalt you, we bless you, we glorify you, we magnify you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we feel your presence. We feel the Shekinah glory of God resting upon this house today, God, and we just thank you, Jesus. Oh, I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch hearts and touch lives and touch minds today, Jesus. Lord, we're here to be with you. We're here to glorify you and lift up the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. In that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God. And today we lift up that name, that name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name today. Come on, can we give the Lord a good hand of praise? Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. We bless your name, Jesus. We magnify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Remain standing if you're able to. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Pastor Sandra and team for doing such a fantastic job as you always do. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you feel his presence today? Oh, I feel his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's turn. Let's prepare our hearts as we enter into the word. Let's turn to the book of Joshua today. We've been in Joshua over the past few weeks. And uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter number 5, and then we're going to go to Joshua chapter number 6 here in just a few moments. Joshua 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 15. It's so good to have everybody in God's house today. If you're a visitor, we just want to say God bless you. It's so good to have you today. After one time of visiting, you're no longer a visitor. You're a part of our family, and we're just thankful that you're here. Amen. We just adopt everybody that comes. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. Amen. So we just thank the Lord today that you're here. And uh, we're going to minister uh, along the lines of uh, overcoming our walled city. Overcoming our walled city. Joshua chapter number 5. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. And then we're going to start in Joshua 6. And we're going to read a little bit of some lengthy text from verses 1 through 27. So let's just fasten our seatbelt. How many is ready for the word of God today? Amen. Are you ready for his word? Start in Joshua 5. Let's read 13 through 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou with us or are you with our adversaries? And he said, Nay, no, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith the Lord unto thy servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's look at chapter number 6 as we move forward. And and now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto you the land of Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city. Thus shalt thou shalt do this for six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns, and on the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpet. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when they hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Look at your neighbor and say, did you bring your shout with you today? Look at your other neighbor and say, I brought my shout with me today. Oh, hallelujah. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said unto him, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is 
arms passed on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests and they blew the trumpets and, and, and the rewarded came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, Ye shall not shout, nor ye shall make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you to shout. Then ye shall shout. Okay? So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came upon the camp, and they lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went on continually, and they blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But every reward came after the ark of the Lord. The presence going on, the priests going on, and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day, they compassed the city once, and they returned into the camp for the six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose early dawning of the day, and they compassed the city after the same manner of seven times on the on that day. They compassed that city seven times, and it came to pass on the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets. And Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that therein to the Lord. And only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. I'm going to stop right there. I could go on, but I want to stop right there. I'm just looking at this text today, and we're looking at the thought of overcoming our walled cities. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to overcome our walled cities. We need to overcome our walled cities. Join hands with the person next to you and let's agree together in prayer. There's power in agreeing. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, right now. And we pray that this word would leap off the page into our hearts. Lord, let this not just be words that just become sounds in our ears. Let this be applied to our hearts and our lives and our minds. Lord, we take this word and, and, and Lord, we, 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 we take it and it becomes food for our soul becomes food for our life. It becomes energy for us to continue on and to move forward into this world. And I pray right now, God, there's some people in this place that needs to overcome some city walls. And right now, God, we just declare in the name of Jesus that they would come down. Right now, we ask that you would increase and that I would decrease and everybody in the church body that's in agreement say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, overcoming our walled cities. Overcoming our walled cities. You may be seated in God's presence today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We've been talking in the book of Joshua over the past few weeks, and we've been extracting some things. We haven't gone line upon line and precept upon precept, but just as the Lord began to deal with me in devotion about what to begin to speak to you today, I just have the thought overcoming our walled cities. You understand something about Jericho. The ancient city of Jericho was very well built. Okay, it was very well fortified. It was a walled city. History tells us that it was surrounded by two massive stone walls. The outer wall was six feet thick and 20 feet high. The inner wall was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. There was a 15-foot guarded walkway between these two walls. From a military standpoint, you understand today, it was practically impenetrable. You could not get through the city walls. But how many knows God is the God of the impossible? The walled city of Jericho stood as a physical and psychological obstacle between the people of Israel and them claiming the land that God had promised them. How many knows the land was promised to his father Abraham and it was passed down and now Joshua is picking up the where Abraham left off, and how many knows that we need each other? We need generations to work and build the kingdom of God and move this kingdom of God forward. So here Joshua is at his point in his life, and God's using him in great mighty ways. And 
The walled city of Jericho, it stood as this this physical obstacle between the people of Israel and and trying to get to what God had, had, had given them. And this was this promised land that he had before. And before they could move deeper into Canaan, the walled city of Jericho first had to fall down. Okay? That ancient city that stood between Israel and victory is a picture of the things that are entrenched and rooted into our lives today. It represents the things that prevent us from going deeper in our walk with God. How many knows there's some things that the enemy wants to try to put in our path that wants to try to trip us up and cause us to, to slip up and to keep us from going deeper in the things of God? There's some trail, there's some, there's some obstacles that the enemy's looking to try to put in our path to keep us from getting all that God has for us. Somebody say amen. If you're not careful, there are things that can become embedded in your life. There are things that can become generational, and I would dare say generational curses in your life. You pick up some issues that maybe your father had, or your mother had, or your grandfather had. Those are generational curses. But I'm here to bind those things in the name of Jesus. How many knows you don't have to walk the way in, in the ways of sin and in the ways of the world and in the ways of people in your past that struggle with? You don't have to fall prey to those same things. Amen? So I'm here to come against those things, and the Lord is here to come against those things in our life that are embedded, that are entrenched. In some cases, they're generational. Some cases, these are these are uh, issues that you that have been struggled with for decades to come. These are mountains in your life. These are obstacles. These are deep-seated problems. These are long-standing issues that hinder your walk with God. How many knows what I'm talking about today? How many knows about these areas of your life that can be a hindrance unto you and your walk with God? And you've got to get these things under control through the blood of Jesus. So it may be some besetting sin that you're struggling with, some sin that you, some reoccurring thing that, that you turn to over and over and over that prevents you from going deeper in the things of God. It may be a root of bitterness. It could be a root of unforgiveness that stands between you and God's best in your life. It may be an old bad attitude or a bad habit that you're struggling with that, that is keeping you holding back. It could be something from your past that you're struggling with day by day. It might be some person that stands larger than God in your eyes. It might be some hurt. It might be some past shame or some past struggle, some slight that you've endured that keeps you from moving forward into God. Whatever it is, God knows and you know and you can put it under the blood of Jesus today and you don't have to walk in that thing ever again. Somebody say amen. So whatever it is, sometimes it can keep us stopped in our tracks and it will keep you from moving forward and further until you under overcome that stronghold in your life. You will continue to go back to that thing over and over again. How many knows it becomes like a security blanket? Have you ever known somebody that they've gone through a trial and they've gone through an issue and they've gone through a struggle and we've prayed over it many times and, and you've prayed over it many times, but every time you talk to them, it's the same issue. It's the same struggle. Listen, I'm going to tell you in this season of our life, God's saying we've got to get over some of these past issues. It's not that we're not wounded. It's not that we're not hurt, but we've got to pick up and we've got to move on and go and press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God has something greater for us, but we can't pick, keep picking up the things that we've struggled with in times past. So before you will ever receive all God has for you, that stronghold has to be torn down. That stronghold has to go. So as we consider this pivotal moment in Israel's history, we can find the help that we need to overcome our strongholds. How many knows what I'm talking about today? And I want us to notice the lessons that present themselves in this passage as we talk about overcoming our wall city or overcoming our strongholds, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to overcome some strongholds. We're going to tear down some strongholds today. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is a lesson about supremacy. We've got to start here. This is very important of who we look to when we're going through trouble. Why we look to Him when we're going through trouble. Why Why do we look to God when we're going through trouble? Because we've already messed the thing up. I got one, uh-huh, and somebody else is kind of looking at me. We've already messed the thing up. But we need God. We need, 
We need to go to the person that is supreme in all authority in our lives. So there is this supreme person that Joshua looked to, and there's the supreme person that all of us need to look to today. There's this supreme person. This individual that Joshua meets outside of the walls of Jericho identifies himself, people of God, as the captain of the host of the Lord. Okay? Now, I want you to understand something, that this is nothing less than a personal pre-Bethlehem manifestation and appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself to Joshua. Joshua came face to face with our Lord. He came face to face with our Lord. This speaks of a matter of salvation, okay? Before we can ever enjoy victory on our journey, we must first commence the journey. What are you talking about, Pastor? The journey begins with salvation. The journey begins with the one who brings salvation. The main question becomes, is the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior today? That's the main. If you can answer that question, then everything else will fall into place. How many knows what I'm talking about? When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. You've got to keep him first. Listen, God can't be the tail. He's got to be the head of everything in our life. And when he's the head, he is our Savior. He comes to our defense. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, he is my help today. See, I have found, I have found people, God, hear me, stay with me a moment, don't get offended by what I'm saying, but I have found that people can get real good at doing church. Oh, hallelujah. They can get real good at doing church. We can get real good at talking church. We can get real good at doing the motions of church, but you never have encountered the Christ of the church. They can, listen, they can talk the lingo, they can apply the lessons, but they can't line up with a life of surrender. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. So the question becomes, has there ever been a specific moment in your life as you look back when you knew that you were a sinner headed to hell and the only one that could save you is Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you understood and you, you have already tried it. You had already been there, seen it, and done it. Nobody could help. Your spouse couldn't help you. People around you. Matter of fact, when you tried to receive help, it only got worse. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So you came, and you knew the only one that could save you is Jesus. Listen, Buddha couldn't save you. Buddha couldn't save you. He couldn't help you. Muhammad couldn't rescue you. Joseph Smith laid in a tomb of no assistance. Do you remember the time when you were saved by the power and the grace of God? Do you remember the time when you were saved? Have you had an encounter with the Savior? That's the question today. If it has happened to, do, to you, here's the thing about having an encounter with God. If it has happened to you, you will know it, you will remember it, you will love it, and you will talk about it. Hallelujah. Is there anyone today, oh, thank you, Jesus, that can't stop talking about the goodness of God? You've had an encounter with the Lord. You've had an encounter with God. And you simply can't, Titus even got his hand up. He can't stop talking about, he can't stop talking about the goodness of God. Is that Lord? God, uh, Dad, God's always doing something. Listen, if our little children can talk about the Lord, why can't we have something upon our lips about the goodness of God in the land of the living? I don't know about you, but I can't stop talking about my Savior. God did it when nobody else could. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God did it when nobody else would. God did it. God did it. God did it. I said God did it. God showed up. And listen, my conversation should be more than the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. We're, we're celebrating the Chiefs next week. But I, I'm thankful for the Chiefs. But my conversation can't be just the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know about you. It should be more about the Chief Cornerstone. I said it should be about the chief cornerstone. We have more than a Super Bowl to look forward to. We have an eternity with the one who has saved us by his marvelous grace today. Hallelujah. There's something to be excited about. I don't know about you, but I'm just praising the Lord today, and I'm thanking him for his goodness today. How about you today? Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, what does salvation look like? 
Well, you could define salvation based upon what the Lord did in your life, right? All of us have a testimony. You say, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. I don't know how to, I'm not good, a good orator. Listen, all you've got to do is talk about the goodness of God that happened in your life. When you was one day on your way to a devil's hell, and he rescued you out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock. You can talk about what the Lord has done for you. What does salvation look like? It looks like a man named Saul. Look at your neighbor and say Saul. Who eventually we know became Paul on the road to Damascus. This man was bound up and he was tied up in religion. How many knows what I'm talking about? He had the first five books of the Bible memorized. But here's the thing. This man was as mean as a junkyard dog. Can I tell you the difference between religion and relationship? Most people that are in a religious state are mean and nasty. They are mean-spirited. They want to treat people bad. They want to be angry with everybody. Paul was the same way. Saul was the same way. He was on his way, you understand, on this road to Damascus to kill Christians thinking that he was doing God a service. Okay? He is known, the Bible says, as the chief among sinners. And I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful the Bible goes ahead and identifies Saul, who eventually became Paul, as the chief among sinners. Because as he's known as the chief, this makes me smile because I realize that there's room for me. If God can save the chief, oh, hallelujah, he can save all the rest of us today. How many is in agreement with that? He was as far away from God as you could possibly get. But God knocks him off his high horse and puts him flat on his back. And when he gets up, everything about him did an about face. A 180-degree turn, he did away from this world, away from sin, away from religiosity, and turned 100 degrees toward God to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. He was going one way, doing his own thing. And now he's following Jesus, and he's ready to die for him if need be. You see the extreme of that. He was ready to kill people in the name of the Lord. And now he's ready to offer up himself unto God because he realized something, that what he had all of these years really wasn't a relationship at all. It was just a simple do and don't, and I can do this, and I did that, and I can memorize it. Listen, that's not Christianity. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Saul went from murdering Christians to ministering with Christians in just a few short verses. That's how quick God can work. That's how quick God can change your plight. That's how quick God can change your situation. He doesn't need a lifetime. He needs an individual who is sick and tired of their current condition. And is, listen, and in a split second, God can bring you more joy. He can bring you more peace. He can bring you more love. He can bring you more satisfaction and more fulfillment than you can muster up in ten lifetimes. Hallelujah. Have you had an impersonal counter with the captain of the Lord of hosts? Have you had a personal encounter? Have you had an encounter with Jesus today? That's the question. Have we had an encounter with the Lord? So this is just a thought. But notice that Joshua encounters the Lord with the Lord. The, the, the encounter that he has with the Lord caused him in verse number 14 to bow in worship. Did you see that? He, he bowed before the Lord. Listen. Your desire to worship says a lot about your relationship with God. Your desire to worship tells all that we need to know about your relationship with God. See, salvation will lead you worshiping. Salvation will lead you worshiping. Salvation will also lead you bowing. We see that in verse number 14. It will leave you in a place of humility. It will leave you flat on your face. See, we have to come as a humble servant before the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I came to God, I wasn't coming all prideful and all arrogant and, God, here I am. You better be thankful I showed up today. It wasn't one of those types of things. Listen, I humbled myself under the mighty hand of God, and he said, when we do that, he will exalt us in due season because here's the thing. Here's the thing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Joshua was on his face before the Lord. Why? Because he's a humble man wanting to know what God has next for him. Humility is the aroma of heaven. Being humble 
see, I can work with a lot of stuff, and I know some of y'all, uh, you can't, some of y'all in the workplace, you understand what, I, what I'm saying? You can work with anybody but somebody that knows it all. Anybody know somebody like that? Don't look at your neighbor next to you. Some of y'all raising hands and waving and all this kind of, listen, I can work with a lot of people, but somebody that reeks with arrogance and pride is difficult to work with. And God is the same way in his kingdom. Humility is the aroma of heaven. Learn to be a worshiper in God's kingdom. When we learn to worship, it brings humility to us. It humbles us. It humbles our heart. It humbles our spirit. It humbles our posture is in a place of humbleness. So we see here there is a supreme condition. The Lord tells Joshua that he is the captain of the Lord's host. That is, he is the one who is always victorious. He is the captain of the Lord of hosts. And I need to stop right here, and I need to thank God that he's going to provide the victory, and he's going to provide your victory even before the fight begins. I need to understand, and you need to understand, that we have the captain, if you are saved by the grace of God, and if the blood of Jesus is upon the doorpost of your heart, he's fighting for you today, the captain of the Lord of hosts, he is victorious, he's never lost the battle, he's never lost the war, he's never lost anything. Listen, I'm telling you today, if God is on your side, when you've got God, you've got enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So, we need, to, we need to just thank God. He's going to provide the victory before the fight even begins. I mean, those he's fighting our battles even right now. There's a war going on in the heavenlies, and thank God we can't see what's going on right now in the, in the spirit realm because I believe there's principalities and powers trying to disrupt God, what he's trying to do in your life even right this very moment. That's why the Bible says we've got to cast down imagination. And every thought and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We've got to cast those things down. We think that all of a sudden that, that when we're dealing with demonic forces, we're thinking about Stephen King. We're thinking about somebody running around in a, in a red suit with pointed horns and a pointed tail. I'm telling you, there's a devil loose in this world. And listen, but I'm telling you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I'm convinced that I'm not scared of the devil. I'm not scared of the demon spirits. But I need to be surrendered to God because if you won't, the devil will swallow you up and won't even take a drink of water. He will swallow you whole. You will become vulnerable in the kingdom of darkness. So he is reminding Joshua who really fights the battles. Oh, hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I'd like to fight my own battles. <laughs> Maybe that's been the problem. We've been trying to fight our own battles. Amen? I don't know about you, but I thought I was going into World War III during this time of the fast. Anybody ever feel, feel that upon your life? When you go to try to press in further to God, and you try to grow closer to the Lord, all of a sudden everything starts breaking loose against you. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I just kept pushing in, and I know you did as well. And I wasn't putting myself out on Facebook talking about, woe is me today. I'm not feeling it today. Oh, the devil's got another. You know, no, I'm not giving the devil. I give no place to the devil. We've got to be in a position where we lift up God, and we realize we're in a fight. We're in a spiritual fight. I heard somebody say, Pastor, I'd like to fight my own battles. Let me remind you that if you are a child of, the God, child of God today, that if you hold your peace, God will fight the battle for you. Oh, Hallie, none of this stuff makes sense, does it? Because we want to think to ourselves, i got to go petition. How many know you, you've had issues with people? You've had issues with jobs? You've had issues with relationships? All kinds of things. We want to try to muster up. We sit up thinking about this stuff late at night. We try to figure out how we can conjure up something that's going to be so good and so airtight and nobody can, nobody can squeeze anything out of this other than simple truth. God's saying, I'm fighting the battle behind the scenes for you. I know people in this room that's had struggle in their workplace, and we begin to pray together, and all of a sudden, that whole thing broke loose. And all of a sudden, that manager moved down the road and moved to another office, moved his way, and they were causing trouble and wreaking havoc unto you. Listen, I'm telling you something today. God hears our prayers. God hears the prayers of his people, and God will fight the battle for you. Listen, you've got a kingdom army that is fighting for you. Say, who is this kingdom army? Well, I'm going to tell you something. You remember when Jesus was on the cross, and the Bible said that, that legions of angels 
could have came to the Lord's defense on the cross at Calvary and been ready to fight for Him. And that same legion of angels that was ready to fight for our Lord, that, that legion of angels, the Lord of hosts, the army of the Lord of hosts today is still fighting for you. Listen, the battle's not mine. The battle's not yours. Come on, you got to say it right now. Say, the battle's not mine. The battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. And when we realize the battle is the Lord's, listen, we will receive the victory in our life. We won't have to strategize anything. We'll let God deal with it and let Him handle it. But I want us to understand that God wants access to our life. He wants access. So the question is, are there areas of your life that are off limits to God? Are there areas of life that you don't want God to enter into? Okay? Real sanctification knows that He is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. A person that's sanctified, it knows that He is He, he must be given the master key to every area of our life. How many knows what I'm talking about? Have you come to terms with who is really in control? And until you do, you can forget about, listen, you can forget about sustained victory. You might as well get used to defeat. Christianity boils down to control. Who is in control of your life? It's all about the Lord. When you surrender to God, it's no longer about you. You say, Pastor, I just couldn't help it. I just had to say what was on my mind. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We, it would do us good to stop giving people a piece of our mind. I don't know about you, but the peace of mind that I try to give people oftentimes is not the peace of mind that's set aside for God. I want to try to give people the peace of mind that really don't need to be talked about. So then I feel guilty, I feel suppressed, I feel depressed, and I feel like, you know what, i got to go and clean up a big old huge mess. Why? Because I hadn't let God have control of that area. God wants to have complete control over His people. But we see this supreme there's this supreme authority, there is a supreme power. When Joshua meets this man, there is a there's a couple of things that are strange about this meeting. First, there is the Lord's answer, and I'm gonna try to get through all this today. Give me grace, Pastor. I, I struggle sometimes. I've got about seventeen pages of notes. I could preach for three hours if I had to today. And sometimes I gotta try to bottle it all up. But I want you to understand that first there is the Lord's answer to Joshua's challenge. Joshua asked him. Are you for us, or are you with them? Are you for us, or are you for them? Now, that's a pretty simple question, right? But the Lord answers Joshua, King James language. He says, nay. What's that word mean? No. Oh, what? You're not with? That's real strange, isn't it? Then there is the matter of what the Lord tells Joshua to do in verse number 15. There he is told to loose his shoe off his feet. His shoe, not plural. He didn't tell him to take both shoes off. He says, loose your shoe off your feet. Why just one? When Moses met with the Lord at the burning bush, he was told to remove both shoes in Exodus chapter number 3, verse number 5. So this seems strange to me, right? However, these two events speak to us about the matter of surrender. Look at your neighbor and say surrender. When Joshua asked the Lord if he was for Israel or for Israel's enemies, the Lord said no. What the Lord is saying is this. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today. He's saying this, Joshua, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take. Have you ever just used that as something that you felt like was going to give you some street cred? Well, you know the Lord's on my side. And you know you wasn't doing the right thing sometimes. But we can use that. And, and, and so Joshua hears these words. He said, are you on the Lord's side or are you on their side? He said, nay, no, neither one. So this is a call for Joshua 
to surrender to the authority of the Lord in the battle at Jericho. Because you realize that's the battle that was ahead of them. Joshua is made to realize, not Joshua, that the power behind the victory that will come, the power was going to be through God and not through Joshua. The power was going to be through the Lord, not through an army. So what a lesson for us, Gospel Lighthouse. Hear me. We must learn that our success and our victory will never be a matter of our own power, will never be about our own ability, it will never be about our own knowledge. It will never be about our own wisdom. God is simply reminding us, as he did Joshua, that he is not here to take sides in our battle. He is here to take over. Listen, God doesn't pick sides. God is his own side. You've got a nation right now that's divided over all kinds of stuff. And everybody's wanting you to go red and blue and donkey and elephant and all this kind of stuff. Listen, I'm on God's side today. Hallelujah. So God don't have to choose. We are the ones on fire that have the choice. The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. And if we just followed his precepts, everything would be so much better. So God doesn't pick sides. You realize that. So why did the Lord ask for one chief? I'm glad you asked. Why did the Lord just ask for one chief? The answer lies in ancient customs. Okay? When a covenant was made between two individuals in which one possessed power, which we know is God, look at your neighbor and say, all power rests in him. The one that possessed the power to keep the covenant and the other that didn't, the weaker individual handed, the weaker individual handed the other individual one of his chiefs. Okay? It was his way of saying, I can't keep the, co the covenant. I can't keep your commandments by myself, but you can. Okay? This is seen in Ruth, and you can go back and read all this in Ruth chapter number 4, verses 6 through 8. For Joshua, this was a challenge for him to come to the place where he could admit his own weakness and inability to gain the victory. It was a call for him to surrender to the Lord. And for us, we need to learn the truth that when we can't, he can. Oh, hallelujah. I said when he, we can't, he can. So the shoe is simply telling the Lord, I don't have the strength to walk this road alone. I don't have the strength to walk this thing out by myself. I need you to walk this thing out with me. And when my feet start drifting, Lord, put me back on the right path. When I start being off course, put me back on the right path. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. When I'm weak, you're strong. God, take my shoe. I can't, Lord, but you can. I don't know about you, but I just feel a praise happening in the atmosphere right now. I just feel somebody saying, I've been trying to do it on my own for a long time, and in my spirit right now, I'm hearing somebody saying, I can't, but I'm realizing that God can. This is a covenant that Joshua entered into with the Lord. He said, God, I'm just going to give you what belongs to you. I want this this relationship to be sealed. And I can't, Lord. And there is some, listen, there are some people in this room. And you have been trying to fight your battles on your own. You have been trying to fight it in your own power. And you just keep getting, listen, you just keep getting one whipping. How many knows what I'm talking about? Grandma used to say whipping, a whooping. How many been getting a whooping lately? You feel like you've just been getting a whooping one after another. And you need to, listen, I'm telling you, beloved, today, you just simply need to take your shoe off. And you need to hand up to God. And you need to say one thing. You just need to say this. You need to say, Lord, I can't. But I know you can. And you just keep throwing them shoes out in the middle and say, God, I don't know about you. I can't, but I know you can, Lord. And just keep passing it on to them. Realize something, that when you are weak, he is strong. I can't, but you can. I can't. Oh, come on, somebody lift your hands right now and just say it to the Lord. I can't, but you can, Lord. I can't, Lord, I'm coming into covenant with you today. Lord, it ain't about what I want to do. It's about what you want to do. So, God, today I'm making a covenant with you, and I'm saying, I can't, but you can. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody praise the Lord for just a few seconds. Lord, I can't fight these battles, but you can. 
Oh, how many feels that, Lord, I can't fight these battles, but I know you can. I can't win the victories in my life, but I know you can. Lord, I'm prone to wandering, but I know you can keep me on the right track. I know you can. Christ, the solid rock I stand all over ground. This thinking saying, hallelujah, what I'm saying today is that we need to come to a place of absolute surrender. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know who this is for today, but you got to stop playing games with God. Oh, you got to stop playing games with God. This relationship with Jesus Christ is about absolute surrender to the place where we are willing to say once and for all, I can't, Lord, but you can. You've got to take that shoe off and you got to say, God, I'm entering into a covenant with you. I'm going to tell you something. It's hard to walk around with one leg and one foot and one shoe. And when you start drifting, when you've given something up to the Lord and you said, see, that shoe represents our heart. That shoe represents our life. That shoe represents everything that is within us. And when we start drifting, because how many knows we are prone to drifting? Amen. We are prone to drifting in this life. And when we start drifting, it's hard to walk one way on one leg. And God pulls us back through his spirit and he says, I know you're trying to go in that direction. I know you're trying to go that way. I know it seems like everything over there is all great. And listen, some of you have felt that in this previous season that you came out of. You thought, God, why am I headed this direction? God's saying, you can't. But I can. You keep fighting this thing. You keep dealing with the same issues. If God's got you, he's got you right where he wants you. And he's going to take you to the promised land. He's got a promised land. He's got a place that he's taking our feet. Lord, listen, we're prone. Wander. We're prone to wander. Come on. Look at the Lord and say, I can't, but you can. But you can. What is so magnanimous in your life? What is so big right now in your life? When you're saying, I can't, Lord, but you can. Lord, I'm going to give you my shoe. I'm going to give you the directions of my life. I'm going to give you the keys to my car. I'm going to give you everything I've got. Listen, when you go with God, God will go with you. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't know what impossibility you're facing today, but all I know is that if you can, he can. Now, notice with me, and I'm trying to hurry along here. Notice with me that Joshua is a warrior. When he got down before the Lord, he placed himself, people of God, in a vulnerable position. He was in a vulnerable position. He laid himself out. He laid himself prostrate before the Lord. He exposed his neck. Okay? He placed himself in a position, in a posture, where he could not use his own sword or his own strength. He placed himself in a position of extreme weakness. He was totally yielded to the Lord. He was totally surrendered to the Lord. He was totally dependent upon the Lord. He was totally at the mercy of the Lord. And here's the thing. Until we reach the place where we recognize his supremacy in all things, there will never be victory over the strongholds in our life. We have to understand that he is supreme in all things. So number one, there is a lesson about supremacy. Look at your neighbor and say supremacy. Now number two, there is a lesson about submission. Now, this is this is becomes a curse word in the churches of God because people don't like to submit. Amen. In, in chapter number six, verses one through five, the second major step in the path towards spiritual victory over the strongholds of our life demands confidence in the Lord. Confidence. Confidence in our Lord. There are three areas in which that Joshua displayed absolute submission. These need to be true concerning us as well. We see, number one, he was submissive to God's promises. Before Joshua goes to the battle against the city of Jericho, he is reminded of the Lord's promises to give Israel the victory. 
There were past promises. You read about those in Joshua chapter number 2 and verse number 9. And there are present promises that we hear, hear and read about in Joshua chapter number 6 and verse number 2. The past promises reminded Joshua of what the Lord had said he was going to do a long time ago. And the present promises reminded Joshua of what the Lord had not changed and had he had not changed his mind about the same manner. It was a reassurance of what God was going to do. How many knows God will give us reassurance? I said, how many knows God will give us some reassurance? So as we look at our strongholds today, we may think that they will never fall at our feet. We may never, listen, may we never remember that God will always keep His promises. He has promised us the victory, and the victory shall be ours. Whatever God has promised, He is well able to bring it to pass. He did not save you so that you will live a life that is held captive in some walled city somewhere. We have past promises, we have present promises, and the victory shall be mine. I love that old song, victory, victory shall be mine. If we hold our peace, the Lord will fight the battles. Victory, victory shall be mine. I don't know about you, but I sense some victory in our life today. He was submissive, you see, also to Joshua. You see, he was submissive to God's plan. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to get with God's plan. Look at your other neighbor and say, we got to get with God's plan. So on the surface, God's plan for Israel's victory seems really strange. After all, what was really required of Israel to bring the walls down? What was required of the children of Israel to bring down the walls of Jericho? Nothing was was involved in this. And I'm going to talk about this for just a second. When you get right down to it, all they had to do was follow God's plan, and the walls would come falling down flat. What was his plan? Okay, so he has the plan. Seven priests bearing seven trumpets were to walk before the ark. The priests would blow the trumpets, and the people were to walk behind the ark, and the whole parade of people was to walk around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they were to walk around the city seven times, and at the end of the seventh time, they were to shout, and they were to blow the trumpets. When this happened, the walls would fall down flat. Amen? Pastor, this doesn't really make sense. That's usually God's formula for success. God's formula never, think about your life for a moment. Go back to some pinnacle moments. Go back to some pivotal moments in your life. And what God did didn't make any sense in the moment, but now you have clarity of it. So God's formula to success doesn't often make sense. Why? Because at the end of the day, we will give Him the glory. He will receive the glory. It won't be about the battle with mine. It'll be about the battle with His. We give all glory to Him. Listen, He deserves all the glory in everything that happens in our life. He deserves the glory. So the walled cities like Jericho, which were built on hills like Jericho, usually were only conquered after sieges lasting several months. So these battles would go on for long periods of time, trying to wear out the enemy. Cities like Jericho were not normally conquered by military might, nor were they conquered by silent armies marching around for seven days. They were conquered over time as the people inside the walls began to starve to death. God's plan seems ridiculous. What God does here is remove any idea that victory in this battle will come from Israel herself. God has formulated a plan that that must be followed by faith in the Lord who promises his promises and his power are all for him. He he wants Israel to know that human efforts will fail, but that the Lord's plan will always prevail. Human efforts will always fail. And I think there is a word for us as we take time to look closely at what the Lord told them to do. Okay, they were to take seven priests. Seven is the biblical number of completion and perfection and fullness. The priests are a picture of an advocate. I'm, I'm thankful today that you have a high priest as your advocate today. 
that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for each one of us even right now at this very moment. So these priests were in place for the people of God at that time as an advocate. So one stood between men and one stood between God. And this is a picture of our Lord and Savior. This is a picture of a complete and perfect advocate. According to the Bible, the saints, we all have a perfect advocate. Look at your neighbor and say, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And as as we come against the strongholds of life, listen, he is making intercession before we even get there at the throne of God. We see this in Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 25. He's making intercession before we even get there. Number two, they were to take seven ram's horns, a trumpet, and the ram was a picture of atonement. Do you remember when Abraham took Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah to put him to death? Do you remember the story? It was a ram that provided the atonement. It was the ram that was caught in the thicket that paid the redeeming price for Isaac. So we need a full and perfect atonement. And I have already touched on this today, but but listen, are you saved? That is the true question before we leave this place today. Is Jesus Christ your advocate today? Is Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of your heart today? Listen, there will never be a real lasting victory over the flesh, over the world, until you have been saved by the grace of God. And when you become a partaker of God's plan of salvation through the blood of Jesus, you are given the power to enjoy victory over and freedom over the power of the enemy and sin in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, they were to take the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark represents, hallelujah, the Lord Jesus Christ in all of His fullness. And in the Ark was the golden pot of manna, which speaks of, of His full provisions. How many is thankful for the provisions of God today? And Aaron's budding rod was also there. And, and this spoke of Christ's power and, and His life. And then you have the tablets of the law, which were also there. They were to remind us that He is the fulfillment of the law for you and for me. And the idea is this. In Jesus, we find all that we need to fight the battle against the strongholds in our lives. I said in Jesus, we find all that we need. He gives us all the provisions that we need to fight. He has all power in heaven and in earth in His hand. Oh, hallelujah. He gives us power to walk in the newness of life. How many thankful that you're walking in the newness of life today? He has freed us from the power and the demands of the law and sin, and He has set us free to live according to the Father in power and in victory. Oh, hallelujah. Number four, they're simply, simply to take these things and walk them around the city. God promised them that the walls of Jericho would fall down as a result. In other words, all they had to do was have confidence in God's plan and walk with the things that He had given them, and they would enjoy the victory. He wanted them to do nothing but walk by faith and not by sight. The battle was not theirs. It was the Lord's. It didn't make sense. So Jericho was a city of about nine acres. Okay? It was... It, it would have taken about 30 minutes to walk around the city. So they got up, they lined up, and they marched around the city, and all they did was walk. Look at your neighbor and say they walked. And look at your other neighbor and say, keep walking. They walked, and they kept walking. They walked, and they kept walking. Listen, God is simple in His strategy over the enemy. See, the enemy sometimes think God's going to be real complicated, really convoluted in his strategies, but I'm telling you something, God is very simplistic because he realizes something. In our pea-sized brains, we are oftentimes, we get things way too complicated. We need to be simplified, and God said, all you have to do is walk around that city, follow me in the way, let the priest lead the way, let the Ark of the Covenant be in the midst of it, and not just walk, but keep walking. Look at your neighbor and say, keep walking. Keep walking. While you were walking, listen, I want you to understand something, because this is what happened in Jericho. While the people of God were walking, the enemy was watching. You've got the people of God walking. You've got the enemies of God watching. But God, hear me, was working. Oh, hallelujah. 
Listen, when you've got God, you don't need strategy. You don't need to come up with some grandiose plan. When you've got God, you've got enough. Follow His ways. His His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They didn't make sense, but all they had to do was execute what God had for them. Let me see here. Listen to His power. Israel was about to learn the truth that victory was in the Lord and not in and of themselves. Are we okay today? Are we good? I've got one more point. Is everybody good? Look at somebody and say, I'm ready to go. So Israel was about to learn this truth that victory was in the Lord and not in and of themselves. They were about to participate in the strangest victories in history. For them, victory would, would come about not as a result of trying, but as a result of merely trusting God. Has anybody ever just tried to serve God? I've tried, I'm trying, I'm trying. When you use that word, I've tried to do this, and I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I've tried that. And I had an individual some years ago, we were fasting, and he said, Pastor, I'm going to try fasting. I want to see what God does. Listen, I told you, you can't try God. You've got to pray. It says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. We can't just try this thing out. It's not try it before you buy it. Listen, when you sign up for the kingdom of God, it till death do you part in the name of Jesus. But it's up to us to follow through. And we've got to keep our shoe on, let God keep his shoe on. Listen, when you've got God, you've got enough. Are you tired of trying to live the Christian life and failing? Listen, then we've got to stop doing both. We've got to stop trying, and you need to stop failing. Just learn to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Listen, I'm not advocating loose living. I'm not advocating going out here and doing your own thing. Far from it. If you live God's way, you will be holier than ever. You, you, you just won't have to work so hard to enjoy it. You can tell people that are working really hard for God, and they they see and say, "Are you? How are you doing today?" Oh, I'm doing really good. And they, they, I'm telling you what, they just look like their their, their face. That smile on their face is just going to crack and fall to pieces. They don't look real happy about what they're what they're uh, following suit in. They don't look very happy in their relationship with God. Listen, I don't want to be in a place like that. Listen, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know about you, but I sense a joy when Jesus Christ came in the inside of me. There was a joy that moved in. And I'm going to rejoice my Savior. So he is, Jesus is the perfect advocate. He is the perfect atonement. He is the fulfillment of the law for us. There is nothing left for us to do but to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and enjoy the journey along the way. Why do you think that he said in John chapter number 19, verse number 30, it is finished? He was looking up to heaven on the cross. He was looking to his father and he says, it is finished. He didn't say it's the beginning. He didn't say, people of God, pick up where I left off. He said it's finished. And I'm telling you today, we've got to learn to rest in our Lord. Because the work has been finished on the cross. So we see here. There is a lesson of supremacy. We see here also there is a lesson of submission, and there is also a lesson about success. Look at your neighbor and say success. We see this in chapter number 6, verses 6 through 21. These verses tell us the thrilling story of the victory that Israel received at Jericho. Now imagine what the people inside the city must have thought. The people of Israel received the fulfillment of the Lord's promises to them, and as they did, they are a couple of truths here that I want to just mention to you today, okay? Number one, I want to mention that success involves determination. Look at your neighbor and say determination. They simply did it God's way, okay? They did it God's way. And I'm sure they would have been tempted to fight. How many have ever been tempted to fight your own battle? Fight them. Let's do it. Let me get my posse together. Let me get my group together. Let me get my people together. And we're about to fight this thing out. They don't know who they're dealing with. Y'all have said it. Y'all even believed it. (laughs) I'm about to take my boys over there. Listen, I got four brothers. Don't mess with me. But their success involved determination. 
They were tempted to fight. After all, the, the people of Jericho were terrified of the Israelites, yet they just walked. That is all God said to do. And, and, and when you do it God's way, there will always be victory. It isn't about new means or new methods. Okay? We just need to be to, to patiently, to consistently, and to humbly walk with God and carry out His business His way. When life does not make sense, just walk. Sometimes we want to stop. We want to try to figure it out. We want to try to get, you get the GPS thing going, recalculating. We want to try to go a different measure. We want to try to go a different way. When, listen, when life doesn't make sense, just walk. When others quit, just walk. When you, when, when you want to fight, just walk. When, when some come up with a new method, just walk. You see, obtaining the victory in God's business, obedience to Him is our business. Obedience. Obtaining the victory belongs to God. Obedience is our business. You've got to just simply keep walking. Look at your neighbor and say, keep walking. So, so here, here, we're going to try to land the plane here in just a moment. Bear with me. Pastor Cindy, will you come here in just a few moments? He will give grace for a consistent walk. A consistent daily walk. And how many knows it can't just even be daily? It's got to be hourly. Because if you just if you just give the enemy a few seconds of your time, it has to be a daily walk. It has to be moment by moment. But they, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 31, this is one of my favorite verses, but they that wait upon the Lord, I said they that wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and faint not. I'm telling you what, if you just keep walking with God in this generation, just keep moving forward with God, be consistent in your walk with God, Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can't soar with eagles and hang out with peasants. You can't soar up there with eagles hanging out with people that are going to bring you down. Stop hanging out with the buzzards. And start soaring with eagles. Stop hanging. What are you talking about, Pastor? Using all this Elizabethan language and all this. Stop hanging out with people that are dragging you down, pushing you down, keeping you down, taking you down the broad road of destruction, taking you to places that you know are not beneficial to you and your spirit. And your life. Listen, our walk with God desires us to set ourselves apart. You can't hang out with buzzards and fly with eagles. You can't do it, young people. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to win him over. I'm trying to win her over to the Lord. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something. We're not into missionary dating. I said we're not into missionary dating. You can't pull somebody up on your level. Well, Pastor, what if they're Baptist? What if they're Methodist? I don't care where they are. Here's what you need to do. You need to go take it off for the Lord. You need to go soar with some eagles and see if they're catching up behind you. If they're far off in the distance, you better leave that buzzer behind you and hang out with eagles. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody said hallelujah. Stop hanging out with buzzards. Hang out and soar with some eagles, for goodness sake. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So the success involves dedication. Israel walked around that city six times. You know the story. But when Israel marched around on that wall for the seventh time and they shot, the wall fell down flat. Seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of God's fullness. Seven is the number of God. Israel kept going in their dedication, walking in their dedication. They kept their dedication to the Lord until they passed from the realm of their own power into the realm of God's power. There's somewhere along the way they realized that what God was saying was accurate. Can you imagine the people that were making fun of them up against the wall? Listen, there they come again. It's day three now. Nothing's happened. What are they up to now?
After marching around that city seven times, they would have been too exhausted to fight anyway on that seventh day. They would have been tired. They would have been worn out. They would have been exhausted. So when they came to the place where they couldn't, oh, hallelujah, but they knew that he could. When they came to the end of themselves and they hooked up with God in that moment, when they couldn't, they knew that he could. A miracle took place and the stronghold fell down flat before them. It fell down and that's the point of them shouting before the wall fell down. They they shouted, the wall fell down, and they were praising God for the victory by faith even before they had seen it with their own eyes. That is what is talked about in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1, where the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Listen, I can't see it. I don't know how God's going to do it, but He always honors His Word, and He always comes through in the end. Oh, hallelujah. So when you come to a place where you can identify, let's stand with me real quick. Hallelujah. When you come to the place where you can identify the strongholds that are in your life and God by His power brings those things down before you, you must rise up and make sure that every trace of those things is forever eradicated from your life. You've got to lay them down. Put them to the side. Say, you know what? That's who I used to be. And we talked about a few weeks ago, people are going to remember your past, aren't they? You know, I, I got a couple friends. One of them thinks Mrs. Pat, and one of them thinks Mrs. Pat. All they do is bring up your past. Everything's about the past. And when they talk about somebody, it's always about their past. Listen, we want to live in the present, and we want the enemy to understand and know something. You may have had me before. I may have been bound before, but now I'm loose and I'm soaring with eagles. Hallelujah. I'm in an elevation right now that you can't keep up. I'm not going to be down here doing this and that. You're not going to have me dabbling around in all these different things. I'm soaring with eagles today. I'm on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. Come on, let's bow our heads and our hearts just for a few moments. Lord, I just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, some of us in this place today are struggling. Lord, I sense there are those that are struggling with some walled cities that are around their life. There's some strongholds that they're struggling with this very moment. And Lord, right now, I feel by the power and the grace of God that you're ready to take down some walls. No matter how big they are, no matter how magnanimous they are right now, Lord, we're giving them unto you. The battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. And Lord, I'm going to declare once again today that when I can, you can. When I can't get through this thing on my own, you can get me through it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and nobody looking around for just a few moments, I wonder if there's somebody in this place today, you say, Pastor, I'm just really struggling right now and I need some prayer.